Welcome to the IAH podcast, where we profile fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Melissa Clay, communications specialist. In this episode, Philip Hollingsworth speaks with Todd Ramon Ochoa, Associate Professor of Religious Studies. In their conversation, Professor Ochoa covers his research on an Afro-Cuban praise form. He also explains how a paragraph of an old ethnography shaped his first book, and talks about his favorite works by J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, so yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, it's been a little little while in, in coming, but we pulled it off. How's the semester going so far? It's going really good. Yeah, what off you, to a great start. What are you teaching right now? Um, I'm teaching a large undergraduate um, lecture, 180 students, a course called titled uh, Introduction to Religion and Culture. I'm an anthropologist, so I'm teaching religious studies, so it's like an anthropology of religion class in a religious studies department. But even there, it's, it's very idiosyncratic to my interests, which are, are philosophy and theory related. So it's like a philosophy of religion or a re- theories of religion course with an anthropological twist in a religious studies department. How do you put an anthropological twist on it? Well... You know, unpacking the anthropologos. Okay. Um, it's, it's human-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, religious studies at UNC is, isn't theology anyway. So there's a huge difference between what we do and what a theology school would do. So by definition, we're doing religious studies, not religion. The difference there being that none of us are preaching or advocating. So our courses aren't devotional or confessional in any way. They're critical and creative investigations of religion but even within that an anthropological twist two ways would be to just keep the human being present sometimes in religious studies departments or courses that can get lost as you get lost in texts but in my case it's always uh, people and human relationships and human dynamics the other thing is that anthropologists work with ethnographies which are really detailed and hopefully well-written readable accounts of other people's lives so the religions that we look at in my course, for example, are n- none of the major religions of the world, for example. And a course titled Introduction to Religion and Culture, students can imagine they're coming to get a kind of tour of the great religions of the world, and that's not it. All the religions that we look at are, first of all, non-monotheistic, so either more than one god or no gods at all. I take an interest in my work in general, my research in religions that organize themselves around spirits of the dead. So religious authority comes from contact with the dead rather than Mm -hmm. with a god. I think the students are pretty surprised by the religions they come into contact with during the semester. Are some of these contemporary or ancient or both? You know, monotheism is a pretty recent arrival in the human religious palette. And before that, you say, oh, it was polytheism or paganism where, you know, many gods. And before that, it was the dead and spirits of the dead. So the most ancient religion that humans know is veneration of the dead, and I think it's normally called ancestor worship. But it's about making sense of the dead and what happens to us when we die. And not so much about afterlife, so much as the the continuing relationship between the living and the dead. Memories of the dead, seeking authority by being able to prove sort of access to the dead or inheritance, kinship. So I would say that's like original human religion is connection to the dead. So in terms of contemporary, a lot of African-inspired religion. 
okay. has a strong ancestor component. And certainly the work that I do in Cuba in my scholarly writing is uh, very much focused on connecting the living with the dead to heal people. Can you talk a little bit more about that, your work in Cuba? Uh, sure. I started working in Cuba, I guess professionally, in 1999, but I had been traveling to Cuba since 1992. So since about 2000, I've been working on religious practices. I call them praise forms um, to try to skirt around the term religion just because it's so powerful and kind of primes us with all kinds of prejudices of what to expect when I say religion. But I work on African-inspired praise forms in Cuba, Havana, and also in the countryside outside of Havana. Religions that look like uh, Haitian voodoo. So if you're trying to connect or if I can sort of stimulate some referent in you for what I do. I wrote a book about a praise form in Havana, which is largely focused on establishing vital connections between a practitioner and the spirits of the dead that they, we can sort of find around, or the religion can find around a person, parents, grandparents, any family member who's died, but also any teacher who's died or influence who's died. The, the practice focuses on keeping those folks present and drawing different kinds of power, authority, and energy from a vital connection with the dead. Not just like, oh, there's like a little haunting next to me, or like I think, you know, sometimes I hear my grandma. No, like your body was made up of the dead. So mm. like, the, like the atoms of your body, like the dead, your body was like a sieve, and the dead were constantly moving back and forth through them, and if they weren't, then you weren't alive. That was so hard to get my brain around that... To do it, I basically had to pretend I believed it. To actually go into, to stop fighting how counterintuitive that was. So I let myself go, you could say. And once I let myself go into that world and let myself believe that world and saw the logic of it, because you couldn't see the logic unless you kind of bought it hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that I couldn't bring it back to... An English readership, a, a university readership, a rationalist readership, unless I wrote it as if it was real. And I didn't have to justify this religion. I just wrote about it in its own terms. What's a book that's changed your life? Let me think of, I have like two answers to that question. A book that's changed my life, again, is an anthropologist having to join Full membership in my guild means writing and ethnography, which is something like a detailed account of other people's lives. And as a student, I was really into reading, you know, what to us were then, still are now, these old-timey ethnographies, uh, early ethnographers who would go, you know, to the field and live there for like five years and get really deep with the people they were living with, often from a very colonial and imperialist point of view. And so when I was a graduate student, those were largely discredited. But I was into a guy named E.E. Uh, e. Evans Pritchard. And he had this book called Witchcraft, Oracles, and Magic Among the Zandi. And it's, the book can be a pain it, because it's very colonial and, and very condescending at times to the people he's studying. He basically, he's a Catholic, actually. His background was Catholic. And um, he's often, like, basically saying, you know, the Zandi... They're, they're superstitious, and they're not, what they do is not adding up to religion. 
but he's really interested in like witchcraft practices and magic. And though most of the time he's dismissing what Zandi are doing as backward or superstitious, there's this moment in the book where Evans Pritchard sees something he calls witchcraft substance floating through the air. On a, you know, one night he sees witchcraft floating along a path. And it's this moment when he allows himself to really occupy the shoes of the community he's living in. And that, that one moment in the book, I mean, you could say that the entire strategy of my book is an expansion of that one, like literally one paragraph in Evans Pritchard's book. I don't know if that paragraph hadn't been there in Evans Pritchard's book. I don't know that my book would have been possible. Even though it's the you know most, it's the strangest, most eccentric, uncharacteristic passage in the book. I have to confess, I'm a huge fan of Tolkien. I've I've read Tolkien probably more than any other author. Do you have a, a favorite? Because I know they're all kind of in the same. You know, I like the Silmarillion. I'm not, I haven't read that one. You, you, you know what's really cool about Tolkien is how it's all woven together for him. He was really busy. And once you get into the ba- his background, like he was really into like Norse mythology. And he was a translator of you know Old English and Norse. And he'd read all the Norse accounts there were. And there just wasn't enough there for him, so he just made up a whole. <laughs> he made up worlds, yeah. right? That, that are very Norse in their yeah, okay, in their construction. But in the Silmarillion, there's a cosmology there, mm-hmm. so you get to see a creation story. He has his own creation story, and I, I'm a fan of like creation stories. And a lot of people try them. Like sci-fi does a lot of creation stories. Yeah. Fantasy does a lot of creation stories. That's the thing I like the most about that book yeah. is knowing where this world came from. But he's also a, like a humongous poet, right? Like like. Yeah, like the Silmarillion is just full of these yeah. songs that just go on and on, and you're just like, <laughs> for real, man? But like, that's like so important to him. Yeah, Tolkien is also interesting in that he's good at staging mystery, not like like a whodunit kind of mystery, mm-hmm. but just leaving things in, in a quiet suspense. He's very subtle with suspense, but as a storyteller, trying to figure out how he does it, he 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 lays these little clues and hints and suggestions and unfinished scenes. You don't even, you don't realize they're unfinished when he paints them, but then like a little bit later in the book you realize that, oh, you were actually missing something back there. And you go back and you look for it and it's not there and you realize that, oh, it's coming, but it's so Mm. subtle. As a storyteller, you pay attention to that stuff. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, no problem. Check back at iah.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at iah_unc. underscore UNC.